Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for Therapeutics Thursday's podcast. This podcast provides an opportunity to listen in as members to sit down, discuss what's new and ongoing in the world of therapeutics. My name is Kyle Mays, the current chair of the Pediatric Section Advisory Group, and I will be your host for today's episode. With me today is Madeline Oy, who is a fourth-year pharmacy student from the University of Wisconsin-Madison School of Pharmacy. Thanks for joining us today, Madeline. Now, let's go ahead and get into today's topic, which is RSV. So first, can you tell us what is RSV? Sure. So respiratory syncytial virus, or RSV, is a common respiratory virus that infects most kids before they even reach age two, uh, but it also can affect adults and older children. The virus can cause some mild symptoms that kind of mimic the common cold, so a runny nose, decrease in appetite, a cough or sneeze, and most mild RSV infections do go away on their own in just a week or two. And these mild cases can be managed at home with just over-the-counter medications, fluid, and rest. So what situations can RSV infections not be managed at home? Yes, so RSV cases can require medical attention if they are more severe, and this is most commonly seen in infants, young children, and the elderly population. So some risk factors that make these individuals a bit more susceptible to severe disease are infants being younger than six months of age or were premature, children under two years old with chronic lung disease or congenital heart disease, adults who are over 65 years of age, older adults with chronic heart or lung disease, or adults of children really of any age with weakened immune systems. And in these vulnerable populations, RSV can more easily cause bronchiolitis, which is inflammation in the small airways of the lungs, and pneumonia, which is when the alveoli of the lungs become inflamed and fluid-filled. And then hospitalization occurs when these patients have trouble breathing and cannot meet their own oxygen requirements or become very dehydrated. And then in the very most severe cases, patients will require intubation with mechanical ventilation. So it can be quite scary and quite serious. Yeah. So speaking of hospitalizations, how often do complications and the hospitalizations occur? So yes, there has been an increasing recognized burden of RSV globally is actually the leading cause of lower respiratory tract infections worldwide. It's globally estimated that RSV causes 33 million new episodes of acute lower respiratory tract infections in children under five each year, causing 3.2 million hospitalizations and 120,000 deaths. And RSV is also the second most common cause of infant mortality in resource-limited countries. And then the few studies that have been published to date in adults indicate that RSV reinfection can also carry some significant burden, especially in the elderly population where it is associated with substantial morbidity and mortality. So speaking of prevalence of RSV, how has the prevalence changed since the COVID-19 pandemic had hit back in 2020? Yeah, so RSV is traditionally seen in yearly outbreaks that start in the fall and then continue throughout the winter months. However, in 2021, we saw RSV rates continually rise starting in March, leading to uncharacteristically high rates over the summer. 
And this was a very dramatic difference from the fall of 2020, where RSV cases were extremely low, which was most likely due to isolation or personal protection measures and social distancing at that time. Now, in June of 2021, the CDC actually issued a health advisory regarding atypical circulation of RSV, noting that older infants and toddlers might be at an increased risk of severe disease since they likely didn't have the typical levels of exposure to RSV within the 2020 to 2021 fall to winter season, just due to social distancing, masking, hand hygiene, and so on. So given that RSV is a virus and that we have an increased burden of RSV, especially over the last uh, year, has there been any more effort in developing a, a true RSV vaccine? Well, identifying a safe and effective vaccine has been an ongoing goal for for almost 60 years now, uh, but there has been some substantial progress announced over the past few months, which is very exciting. There are three vaccine candidates now in phase three clinical trial. And as of 2020, there's a, a review published in Annals of Asthma, Allergy, and Immunology that stated there's actually 38 vaccine candidates under development in total, 19 of which undergoing clinical trial. So I would say that there definitely is some big gains in the past few years. So you initially said 60 years. Six years is a very long time for a vaccine to be under development. What do you think or what do you think is causing the current development issues uh, with bringing a successful vaccine to the market? There's really a handful of barriers. One barrier that has surrounded RSV since development originated really back in 1960 was when an RSV investigational candidate led to enhanced disease in their vaccinated recipients when they were then exposed to RSV naturally. So 80% of patients that received the candidate vaccine ended up being hospitalized. And there was actually two deaths. And at that time, the explanation for the enhanced disease was attributed to an ingredient called formulin, which was used to inactivate the vaccine virus. And although that as a cause was not confirmed, it still caused a scare, um, and then this scare slowed development for many years to come. And to this day, the potential for enhanced RSV is an important consideration in in activated and protein-type vaccines in seronegative children. But then that's not just it. There's a couple more challenges. One challenge in RSV development has been creating sufficient immunity. So RSV immunity from natural exposure is not complete and it is not long lasting. Um, We know that RSV is a contributor to lower respiratory tract infections throughout the lifetime. So the mechanism that interferes with the induction of long lasting immunity is really not well understood and it makes inducing a long lasting response with a vaccine even more complicated. And then lastly, a huge aspect of vaccine development that needs to be considered is the unique physiology of the target populations that would benefit most from the vaccine. We already mentioned that the most vulnerable populations to severe RSV are infants, young children, and older adults. So infants younger than about four to six months have poor response to foreign antigens, which hinders generation of high affinity mature antibodies. Additionally, the presence of their maternal antibodies may interfere with immunogenicity. 
Then in the older infants and children about two years old, there is an increased risk for the advanced RSV disease. So extra caution needs to be taken when developing protein-based vaccines in this age group. And then lastly, we have the older adults or the elderly population who are complicated due to the presence of additional comorbidities that may compromise vaccine response and also compromise our ability to assess efficacy, as well as pre-existing immunity in this population that could prevent adequate viral replication with live attenuated vaccines. So I guess what I'm saying is the populations with the most benefit from the vaccine all require different strategies, complicating development even further. So what does the next few years look like for the RSV vaccine development? So there are three vaccine candidates, like I mentioned, that are currently undergoing phase three clinical trial that we could possibly see in the next two to five years. Uh, The manufacturers of these vaccines are Pfizer, GSK, and Johnson & Johnson. And all three of these vaccines are subunit protein vaccines that each have their own corresponding unique study. Earlier, you had mentioned some difficulty in vaccine development, especially when considering targeting the vulnerable populations. What populations are these three vaccine candidates aiming to target? So Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson are both testing their vaccine candidate in the 60 years and older population. And then GSK is testing their vaccine in maternal subjects, ages 18 to 49, where the vaccine is administered between 24 weeks and 34 weeks of gestation. So what are some of the differences between the ongoing trials at the moment? Well, one difference between the studies is the duration of follow-up for their efficacy outcomes. Pfizer is looking at safety and efficacy data for preventing moderate to severe lower respiratory tract infections in the RSV season following vaccine administration, whereas Johnson & Johnson's goal is to look at the efficacy and safety of their vaccine candidate for 17 months, so a longer period of time than the Pfizer study. But both of these studies are looking at RT-PCR confirmed RSV with associated acute lower respiratory tract infection as the outcome of interest. Now, the primary outcome for the maternal vaccine candidate is different from the other candidates because the GSK study is assessing efficacy of the vaccine for preventing RSV-associated infection in the subject's infants up to six months after birth. Their vaccine is aiming to induce immunity in the mother, so protective antibodies are passed on to the baby to provide immunity for their first few months of life. Well, it sounds like we have some exciting developments in the trials at the moment. I think what's on everybody's mind will be, what is the timeline for the development of these three candidates? Yes, so they're kind of a race to the finish line. We have Pfizer announced their study in September, and they aim to be completed by June of 2024. GSK had announced their study in November, and their prospective date of completion is February of 2024. And then the study by Johnson & Johnson was announced in September and will hopefully be completed by January of 2024. So it looks like 2024 will be the year. Great. Well, I look forward to the results of those studies. That is all that we have for today's episode. I want to thank Madeline for joining us today for Therapeutics Thursday. If you haven't before, 
encourage you all to check out ASHP's pediatric resources. You can find member exclusive offerings in the Pediatric Resource Center, including disease specific articles and guidelines, webinars, and links to education and training. Thanks again for tuning in for this session and join us here every Thursday where we will be talking with ASHP member content matter experts on a variety of clinical topics. Be sure to subscribe to ASHP podcast through your favorite podcast provider. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.